0: Thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design, brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. You can catch up with news, projects, interviews, and much more at architectureanddesign.com.au, where you can also subscribe to our newsletters and magazine. And today we have with us Jan. Peter Van Dutekom, VP, Product Design and Product Management at Interface, designing with sustainability in mind. Jan Peter Van Dutekom is a product developer and portfolio expert. Jan Peter, or JP, has held many roles across the local and regional teams, including business development, sales management, and customer services management. Currently, JP leads the product portfolio team across Europe, Africa, Asia, and Australia, focused on NPD. Product management and concept design to support customers.
1: So tell me, um, JP, what? Tell me a bit about why sustainability is so important to Interface as a company.
2: Well, well Branko, Interface um, is, is a global manufacturer of commercial flooring with, with you know an integrated collection of carpet tiles, and resilient flooring. But, but we are much more than a flooring manufacturer. We are a, a purpose driven business with a, with a very strong ambition to reduce the impacts of our business and our operations on the planet. Um, and if I just look back at my 35 years with this company, uh, there's been a, a very impressive journey uh, since mid, the mid-90s. And uh, if you allow me, I'll, I'll take you through that journey because it also illustrates why sustainability is so important for Interface. Um, in, in 1994, it was Ray Emerson, our founder, who Actually began began this journey, uh, and the journey was to transform our business to have zero negative impact on the planet by the year 2020. Um, we we named this mission uh, mission zero later later that, uh, that, that 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 decade, and and the goal was to achieve this mission by setting very aggressive sustainability targets um, uh, that changed um, the perspective on on business and sustainability. Actually, Ray listened to his customers. You know, I had a spear in the chest moment when some customers asked him, what are you doing about the environment? What are you doing about sustainability? And he didn't have the answer at that time. Okay. So I actually was able to follow that, that journey because I was with the company at that time. And until that moment, we didn't care about sustainability. But we, since 1994, we really significantly decreased our impact on the environment um, with, with focusing on our factories, on our products and on our supply chain, those three elements are crucial when when you talk about sustainability. Um, and we deeply reduced our uh, our operational footprint. Uh, footprint. Then we reduce waste, energy, water usage, and obviously we also developed products that supported that uh, that that journey. Um, one one of the examples of uh, you know the the success of Mission Zero, which we actually um, already announced prior to 2020, was the uh, the achievement of full carbon neutrality across our full product life cycle. Plus, we did introduce, uh, introduce a, uh, a true carbon negative product collection in 2021, which was a, a massive achievement and also a, uh, a let's say, a breakthrough in, uh, in in product design and product development. Um, so, yeah, after achieving mission zero or at least um, really meeting a lot of the goals that we set in the mid '90s, we already went on to the next mission, which is uh, which is called Climate Payback, and that's really uh, an even bolder mission, uh, which looks at um, becoming a carbon negative enterprise by 2040, uh, which is 20 or well, 18 years from now, uh, and that you know forces us to yeah to to accelerate you know all, all our developments on processes and products that uh, that, that should create a, a positive impact on the world. So in short, that's, that's one, one angle. yeah, it's an important, let's say, element of uh, how we got to this sustainable strategy and where we are right now.
1: You know, Jofi, that's really interesting, you know, customers now, as you know, are demanding um, sustainability, and, and so they should be, but something interesting you said, um, 30 to 35 years, that's a long, long time, not that you're old, but <laughs> that is a long time. Um, what what prompted the, the the move to sustainability it
2: was it was uh, right it was a it, it was a group of customers that asked ray anderson what are you doing about sustainability and he started to think about okay we're a company that produces a carpet tile that for 99% is made out of virgin oil at that time in the mid 90s mm-hmm. um and and that's a uh, that's a raw material that's uh, that's that, that's cars and that uh, in the product itself, at the end of its lifetime, gets discarded in a not so sustainable way. So he actually triggered his his employees, including myself. At that time, I wasn't in product development; I was in sales. But we, we all started to think about okay, what what can we do to reduce the impact of that product or, or our products, and how can we create a, 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 a let's say a, a business that is, um, is 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 actually not 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 damaging the planet we live on. Yeah. So um, I think we created a ripple effect internally, but that ripple effect went uh, externally as well because we we set ourselves these targets and we follow the progress by our so-called eco metrics on an annual basis. And the eco metrics look at uh, waste um, uh, percentages, you know, carbon reductions versus the the, the, the starting the baseline. Um, And and we had a lot of uh, engagement from employees, not only on the design and technical side, but also from various other functions in how we could make this company more sustainable. And obviously, uh, it started with a customer. Um, We can't stop stop reducing um, uh, our impact on the environment uh, uh, because global warming is the biggest challenge facing humanity. And that's become even more apparent in the past few years. So um, that ripple effect has really gone outside of the company as well. Uh, We we saw our story influence the actions of our customers, um, our suppliers, very important in this context, uh, and the broader business community. So I think we've been leading the change. And that's what Ray wanted. He talked about demand, sustainability, and we were climbing that. And he wanted to reach the... Top of that mountain um, uh, as, as the first one, but he wanted to look back and see uh, other stakeholders following, and I think that's, that's what's happening as we speak.
0: Thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design, brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. You can catch up with news, projects, interviews, and much more at architectureanddesign.com.au, where you can also subscribe to our newsletters and magazine.
1: And now, back to our podcast. How does, I mean, all this really starts with design, doesn't it? So how does
2: Interface approach product design sustainable thinking? And why is this so important? Yeah, I think for us, design is much more than the pre-picture, Branko. Or, or what the product looks like, like, like the pattern or the colors. It's it's really how it is constructed, but also uh, what it does for the user, or in a bigger context for the planet. So we've started to use life cycle analysis as a management tool, and we've started to use carbon as the magic metric to understand a uh, product uh, footprint. Uh, because carbon carbon runs through every aspect of sustainability. You know, it, it, there's excess carbon in the atmosphere, it's a great threat to human life. Um, and it's imperative that we would use our carbon, uh, carbon footprint. So, when you look at the life cycle of a carpet tile, and we've done this life cycle analysis, then we know that close to 70% of the product's impact is caused by the raw materials and the manufacturing stage, which is the part that we can control ourselves. So, that's what we started first with uh, using a couple of principles for design, um, which we see as different slopes to climb that mount sustainability. Um, it's reducing, recycling, and redesigning. And By reducing, obviously, we refer to dematerializing using less material, uh, yarn, backing, you know, the, the carpet tiles build up of top cloth and, 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 and the bottom, the backing. Then use more recycled content uh, in all layers of the product uh, or completely redesign the product. And that can be done by, you know, developing new technologies to create a product. Or find alternative raw materials like bio content, yarn, bio backing. Um, and that's really the, the bio part has really helped us to get to carbon negative. Uh, because last year, as we introduced our carbon negative product, um, uh, it was the backing that helped us to get to carbon negativity. Uh, with an increased amount of um, um, bio materials that actually sequestered carbon, we were able to get to carbon negativity, which is which is really uh, amazing, and I'm I'm extremely proud of uh, you know being part of the company that we've uh, been able to do that. So then that's the let's say the more the the physical part of product development. Uh, but then obviously you also have the the aesthetical part of product development, product design. Okay? That's the the, the 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 you make a carpet tile, you look at it and you can see the the design and pattern. And we have a design team that is acting all over the globe. In my team, I have seven product designers. I have 35 concept designers working in markets in Europe, Asia and Australia and we have um, product developers and engineers and there's a similar size team in the US um, and they translate not only customer requirements but also sustainability objectives into product development. And there's two very interesting concepts that we use. First, first one is biomimicry and that's learning from nature uh, and how nature would design products and um, it's, it's really very interesting to follow those principles because nature uses cyclical models uh, that, 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 um, that are actually um, closed loops. And we asked ourselves um, the question, how would nature design a flooring product? And there's a great example that, that we actually launched somewhere in the, in the early 2000s. Um, and it, it, it really um, accelerated uh, a principle of random design. We looked at how... A forest looks like with uh, leaves coming down in autumn, and they're on the floor in a, uh on on, on, on the, let's say on the on the floor in, in a completely random way, but still uh, showing a, a, a an overall uh, say interesting picture. So we use that to design a carpet that could be installed in a random way, which really had a major impact on installation speed, on waste, plus operational uh, benefits because we could use obsolete yarns in the product. Which usually would have been dumped or um, yeah uh, thrown away. So it reduced waste, and it is a great example of how biomimicry, a design principle, um, can be used in designing great products that are more sustainable because of the, the lesser waste and obsolescence of materials used.
1: That's that's really interesting. So you know, there's this. I, I guess there's this view out there. If it's sustainable, it's not sexy, for want of a better word. But it doesn't have to be like that, does it? I mean, at the end of the day, your customer, your end user, is not just concerned with sustainability, they're concerned with aesthetics as well. So there's that that balance, isn't there? So do you find find that you get that balance right? Uh, Sorry, let me rephrase it. Do you find that getting that balance right is easy? Uh, with sustainability and, and
2: and aesthetics, it's a it's a very good question. We get we get that asked quite often, uh, Brian Crow, because there is a uh, there is a challenge for the designers to create something beautiful that is aesthetically pleasing, but that is also uh, sustainable. Uh, and when you talk about re- reducing uh, and dematerializing, de- 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 we take. Weight out of the product, you take materials out of the product, and so how can you still make a product that really is attractive? Mm-hmm. And I think the the, the 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 challenges is overcome by our designs because they they have learned how to use the technology with those new materials and still create um, uh, pleasant designs in a in a more minim, minimalistic way. So it doesn't all have to be bold and colorful. Sometimes a minimalistic design can be beautiful and more beautiful than a bold and colorful design. You're right when you say that not every single customer or end user has sustainability on their agenda. And they just want to have a beautiful product that is fit for purpose and has the right price. So we're constantly seeking the balance between more sustainable products that are affordable and look great. But I think our designers do an excellent job there because um, we we uh, another principle which, which I'd like to uh, put forward is Biophilic design. Uh, biomimicry is how to learn from nature. Biophilic design—you've heard about that before. Uh, it's 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 really um, uh, becoming much more, um, let's say, popular uh, in the last ten years or so. Um, it's become It's gone beyond a trend. It's now become a movement. Um, hard, there's a lot of hard evidence of how being connected to nature in an interior uh, improves our well-being. So our designers have taken that concept. And created products with natural elements, um, um, biophilic product ranges that really uh, bring the natural world into the interior by mimicking the way nature would creep uh, across the floor. Uh, we, we've designed pathways and connecting areas with carpet tiles. You know, and, and of course, the modular concept of a carpet tile is perfect because you have this building block on the floor. Uh, so they've used design and color, but also. Uh, more natural and organic patterns that mimic uh, cobblestones, uh, pavements, uh, but also sometimes outdoor street patterns inside. Uh, one of our collections is called My Long Streets, and it's actually taking the inspiration from streets in New York and London, uh, a truly global collection, uh, and brought that into the interior. And that's finding more sustainable products because we use a high amount of recycled product uh, yarn and and bio content in these collections and it creates this let's say different level of biophilia within the workspace Um, and and that's what customers like so it is indeed a challenge to find a balance between commercial and aesthetical attractiveness and sustainable product um, uh, principles
0: and thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design, brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. You can catch up with news, projects, interviews, and much more at architectureanddesign.com.au, where you can also subscribe to our newsletters and magazine.
1: And now back to our podcast. How do you work with partners, especially diverse partners, especially now, well, maybe not so much now, but over the past couple of years with what's been going on, and how do you work with your, your rest of suppliers to achieve this? I mean, surely, surely this is this is a pretty complex process, isn't
2: it? Yeah, we can't do this alone. Uh, this this is something uh, I, I mentioned the ripple effect. where We did uh, motivate, inspire uh, other stakeholders such as suppliers. Um, and clearly, when you talk about raw materials and reducing the impact of raw materials, such as yarn, so the yarn, which is the top club of a, a carpet tile, uh, accounts for a, a pretty big chunk of the total product's uh, impact. Uh, yarn suppliers are crucial. So we work with uh, our key yarn suppliers. One, one, one example is, and I, I'll mention the name Aquafield, an Italian yarn supplier, who in the 90s was, a let's say, a low-cost yarn supplier to us that didn't care about sustainability. They were probably um, inspired, well, they, I'm sure they were inspired by Interface and they invested in technology to create a 100% recycled yarn. And again, they use the life cycle analysis also to to reduce the impact of the yarn. Um, so we've worked with them. Uh, and of course, they supply our uh, competitors as well, but we've worked with them to develop this yarn. And, and currently, probably half of our portfolio. Is um, um, is created and, and developed with, with their yarn. Um, same applies to other um, uh, suppliers. Um, we 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 bring guest speakers to talk to them. Um, and of course, the competition is now following. Our major our main competitors now are also really um, accelerating more sustainable product developments and reducing the impact. Um, in terms of procurement, uh, we, we, we tell our young suppliers that whoever gives us the lowest impact uh, uh, content or the highest recycled content, um, they will get the majority of our business. So, yes, this is something you cannot do alone. Uh, and, and clearly, it does need external suppliers to, to work, with, uh, with, uh, work with us. And, and when we talk about that carbon-negative product, um, where the backing has helped us to get carbon-negativity, um, we've again worked with a couple of suppliers that brought us that concent- concentrated carbon uh, piece in the backing that helped us to get the carbon negativity. So clearly, uh, we need partners and, and suppliers to uh, yeah, to progress on our, on our journey.
1: Just out of interest, we're talking. What we're mainly talking about here, though, is, is embodied carbon. Is it non-operational carbon? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on that point, so you guys had a bit of a milestone last year, didn't you? you, you Interface launched their first ever carbon negative product. Um, can you tell me more about that? that? That's really fascinating.
2: It is. It is. It's, it's actually uh, it, it's it's one of those milestones. Also in my career, of, of course, this was a, a joint effort from many different disciplines. It also was a true global exercise. Um, we did, in 2021, launched uh, two collections uh, constructed almost exclusively from recycled uh, nylon and various biomaterials, uh, and they store more embodied carbon than is emitted by, by the products uh, during their production. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was possible by, by a combination of shifting to materials material for that biophase, as I said, and recycled materials that store carbon. Uh, we've also introduced a new manufacturing process and, and some new technologies. That dematerialized, uh, dematerialized um, uh, the, uh, the overall product weight, uh, and obviously we used renewable energy and more efficient processes in our in our factories. As you said, you know they are carbon negative from cradle to gate, meaning that their life cycle after they leave the factory is not considered. Um, obviously, uh, the car, the cradle to gate, the embodied carbon. uh uh, element is the part that we can really influence um and and we definitely reduced that part of the footprint by 74 percent since you know the 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 baseline uh, was calculated in the mid-90s but we still have to although we don't want to we still have to offset the remainder but it is a stepping stone to achieving uh, our new goal and to be called a negative Mm -hmm. by 2040 Um, it's it's been a long journey to get where we are today um clearly it's taken strong leadership and a big vision to drive that change but um i think i think we 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 uh, this bold new mission of climate take back is one where we'll succeed again And in 25 years uh, or actually 18 years i'll probably not be with the company anymore I, i'm sure i'll be retired i hope they still uh, experience that, but i'm i'm sure we can, can get to that because uh, we'll continue to reduce the impact of our products.
1: Never say never, JP. I was going to say, <laughs> that, I was going to say that um, that's interesting. So you're not even talking carbon zero, are you? You're talking carbon negative. So you're actually going one step beyond, aren't you? Where everyone Correct. else has to be by twenty fifty. Correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this is around. Um, you've probably heard that terminology before. We love carbon. It's not the enemy. It's everywhere, as we know, it comes in many shapes and forms, uh, but we don't see it as an enemy. Um, there's, there's no issue with it. It's just in the wrong place. So um, to help reducing emissions, there's an, uh, we, should, we should see it as an opportunity and as a building block rather than a challenge or a problem. So so clearly the, the, the stuff that we've done um, in specifically the backing can be reproduced in other materials as well and again we try to achieve that by cooperating with our suppliers by by, um uh, you know um collaborating in innovation but um yeah it is it is we 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 actually love carbon because it allows us uh to to put in a place where it won't do any harm and and that's exactly what we're trying to do with the carbon negative uh, uh, products that we uh, Designed and that we are planning to design. You have to love carbon, JP.
1: There wouldn't be any life without it. Um, I was going to I say. <laughs> I, was I, go- I was going to say. So was this process difficult? I mean, this. I mean, was this a, like a total upheaval of your your process, or was this something that was done in a more gradual way and that was easier? How, how did I mean, without going to the specifics, obviously, but. How difficult was this to achieve?
2: It's trial and error, uh, Branko. Uh, we did, and, and actually trial and error is is really something you need because it also um, gives you insight of what's not working. So yes, we've had a few errors in the past 10 years. Certainly during my uh, more recent career within product innovation and product development, we did develop uh, one or two products that really reduced carbon Dramatically, but that didn't work in the end, in terms of its performance or the looks. So it's not been a it, it's been a hard journey, a really tough and long journey. Uh, and as I said, uh, it's taken strong leadership and, and perseverance to get to uh, to, the, to this. It also takes time and money in innovations, yeah. um, uh, because if you if you don't if you don't yeah if you're not willing to spend the resources you'll never get there and that's quite unique for a stock-based company like Interface um, but the fact that we're still doing well uh, in terms of results shows that sustainability pays off which is also important because it's you know a sustainable business is also a business that, that still makes profit, profit so we thought big um, and we wanted to design for life uh, uh, rather than just being a carpet manufacturer But it's not being easy it's taken well, it's taken us 25 years to get to Mission Zero, but we've given ourselves 20 years to, uh, to become a carbon negative enterprise. So that's really um, uh, that's a, that's a bold a bold mission. But since we've achieved Mission Zero, I'm confident that you know this company can also meet its next mission and, and objectives.
1: What would you tell a similar company or similar size company? Let's say, who wants to embark down now that you have this this knowledge, yeah, What would you tell them? What, uh, what advice, what one bit of advice that you'd give them that who uh, company to embark down this?
2: One advice is, and, and it's relating to the ripple effect, make sure you engage your whole organization. Don't don't just have your innovation, technical science, and design people involved. They involve your whole uh, in is uh, all your functions your your your, your full organization um, we've we've trained people to become sustainability ambassadors and those are people that work in the factory those are people that work in finance so it's it's a uh, it's part of the dna of the company um, and it helps you to not only, only you know create and generate fantastic ideas that can be implemented it also helps you to spread spread the words you know in that context um uh, it is about you know walk the talk and uh, inspire uh, uh, other companies uh the communities uh, governments etc so that's one advice the other advice is um don't give up um 25 years sounds like a hell of a long time but uh, uh, this is an important topic you know this is much more than just producing a beautiful carpet it's it's uh, it's creating a better place for all of us and uh yeah it sounds you know it sounds a bit idealistic, but you know, we've proven it's possible. Because that was the past,
1: so let's talk about the future. I mean, you've already mentioned that by 2040, you're looking at being a carbon
2: negative company, but what else is on the horizon for Interface? Well, that alone sounds bold, as I said, and, and pretty complex. And I think the focus will also be on um, how, um, how to transition uh, not only our own products and processes into a full carbon negative uh, operation, but also how we can influence that operational carbon. Um, I think it's it's um, it, it, it's definitely um, uh, something that we need to start to influence uh, through uh, not only um, uh, cooperation. I think if you look at carbon in the, in the built environment it's always been a, a huge blind spot uh but now it's something that, that architects and designers can readily address so we want to work with with, with that 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 industry you know, architects interior designers design groups and big companies on, on decarbonizing the build environment because it's not just it's <laughs> not just carbon there's there's many other products in the built environment that uh, that that should be tackled in this context uh, so we fund tools like the, the embodied carbon in uh, uh the uh, construction calculator, the EC3 tool, uh, we'd like to support policies, uh, and and we'd like to have an influence wherever where we can. So, so if every every one of our salespeople talks to two people every day, we can have a big impact on on changing, you know, people's minds and, 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 and hearts. So I think our our next steps within the company are um, and to become kind of negative is to um, to really be bold. Our our product development and innovation uh, strategy to to further dematerialize and reduce the impacts, uh, but by by, by yeah by still also um, um, making sure that products are sold because in the end we need to have our factories running. Um, so that's the that's the challenge for the design and innovation teams to find this 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 balance between um, uh, between beauty um, and uh, an impact. You know, if
0: you said you've been with
1: Interface for for 35 years. Um, if you um, look back on those on those years in terms of everything, you don't just stand to believe the new
2: product development and whatnot,
1: what would be the one thing that you're most proud of?
2: Well, well the fact I'm still working for this company, I'm proud of <laughs> when it. When, no, when I joined this company, uh, Branker, I never thought I would work that long for the company. Uh, and I've not been on the same spot for 35 years. I've seen different angles of the company. I've been in sales, in business development, in customer service. but product is what I like most. That's why I'm backing products since 12 years. Um, I'm most proud of that that great journey that we uh, made in the past, let's say 15 years. But when, when you look at the carbon impact of a carpet tile in the 90s, uh, and, and, and you won't believe that, but the carbon impact of the carbon tile in the 90s was 19.9 kilograms CO2 per square meter. Wow! And a, a square meter of carbon tiles at that time weighed about four kilograms. So it's five its own weight in carbon impact. If you look at that carbon negative, and that's operational carbon, if you look at the recent carbon negative product introductions worldwide, we get to a, a minus 0.3 kilogram carbon impact. That's a massive achievement. Is. That's really something I would have never thought when I joined this company, but I've been able to contribute with my teams and with my, my own efforts, and that makes me hugely proud.
1: Jan-Peter van Dutekom, VP of Product Design and Product Manager at Interface. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome, and thanks for inviting me. quite all right. You've been listening to Talking Architecture and Design. Until next time, goodbye.
0: I'm Branko Miletic. Thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design, brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. The A and D Network proudly presents the Sustainability Awards, now in their fourteenth year. You can find more information at sustainablebuildingawards.com.au.